0: want to introduce our guest speaker today. It's Dr. Nader Nassar. He is at IBM as well as NYU as a professor. So I'll quickly let you introduce himself
1: and we can go from there. So over to you. Hi, good afternoon, Dean. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is uh, Nader Nassar and uh, I'm the uh, Chief Architect Explorer for Identity and Access Management uh, within IBM. And uh, I've been working with IBM for quite some time, all, about 20 years. Also, I'm a, I'm a professor, an adjunct professor at uh, NYU and also at uh, Pace University, um, teaching cybersecurity. I'm very thrilled and excited to be to be here.
0: Excellent, brilliant. So we'll uh, we've got some questions obviously to kind of line up and have a chat about as well. So we'll kind of jump into the first one. If that's okay with yourself? Um, so to so naturally being a professor, talking about kind of the next stage of, of theory of cybersecurity. I suppose the first question is. What is the difference between the theory versus reality um, and what you're seeing in the current market at the moment?
1: Um, so th- that's a really interesting question because um, this is always a topic I share both with my students and my mentees. My students at you know, NYU and, and uh, at Pace and um, you know, my mentees at IBM is, you know, in theory, usually uh, you know, the use cases are massaged. You're usually focusing on proofing a point or proofing a single uh, theory. While in practicality, nothing is massaged and you've been bombarded with a lot of variables in the equation, you know, your theory may or may not hold in in, in practical market or in the enterprise. So, while it's good to prove a theory or while it's good to improve, uh, you know, a concept within, you know, the lab or within uh, some kind of a research, but it it is really not a bullseye when it comes into the enterprise. Enterprise is just a completely different ballgame. Where everything is just moving with extremely fast, and there's a lot of variables on uh, you know on uh, you know on the enterprise as well hmm. so I think that's one of the you know major kind of uh, difference between theory and practicality
0: yeah, and I guess kind of you know uh, as the professor you, you're talking about the theory, but then also you 've got the practicality of the enterprise itself so do you see the disparity on a day to day do you see people coming out of university? applying that and thinking, oh, this is quite different to
1: how I thought it would be. Uh, absolutely. So people graduate with, you know, with a bachelor's or master's degree in cybersecurity, they do have very well good base and of knowledge regarding the concepts and what mm-hmm. the concepts do and what do I need to do. But Once you hit the, the market, you know, these concepts will help you adapt and understand and progress more with with your knowledge. So there is a little bit of learning curve once you hit mm-hmm. the, the market and once you start kind of learning more uh, about you know, the different aspects of cybersecurity in the enterprise.
0: Hmm. Excellent. So, so do you think once they kind of get out there in the workplace environment that they're actually seeing it and they're picking up the reality of it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's it. So having having that kind of um, academical background help you uh, to progress faster and be able to contribute versus someone who didn't have this background and you were just hitting it or seeing it for hmm. for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent.
0: And and I suppose in coming out of the university environment into there, I mean, do, do you see within business in particular, what, what's working, what's not working, what people are applying new theories behind when they go into a workplace environment?
1: Uh, so, so actually, again, that's a, another interesting question regarding what's working, what's not and what could be missing, right? So what's working now is that there is a global awareness of the criticality and the importance of cybersecurity. That that's a fact. Now we are in much much better position in terms of awareness than where we were ten years ago, right? Ten years ago, you wouldn't hear, or maybe rarely you would hear, a specialized program in cybersecurity, professional certificates here and there, but university-wise, they focus on computer science, they focus on engineering, or you know, and somewhere in between. Maybe you will have you know um, an, um, a postgraduate studies focusing on cybersecurity. But now almost every university or, or many universities adopting cybersecurity education, just focusing on that track. And now they are even taking it further down the, the, the stream into the undergraduate studies as well. So you will yeah. see a lot of courses in cybersecurity, some bachelor's program in cybersecurity. So that is working. That is working well actually. What is really not working, or what is what is missing, is the gap. Hmm. There is a huge gap right now between academia and research and practitioners and executives, C-level executives, the one who, at the end of the day, make the decision, right? So you realize someone who's studying and focusing on a few aspects of cybersecurity, then you get a practitioner who actually can see things from the real, from from the front line, basically, whether they are threat intelligence or whether they are uh, bounty hunters or they are, you know, application developers and so on. They know the need and they see the gap between what's in academia and what's in the enterprise. Then comes the C-level, the one who signed the check at the end of the day, say, hey, this is your security budget. And you look at it and say, like, wait a minute. I mean, no, that that can, that that is not what I need, like, three times more mm-hmm. in order to apply the security that. So this gap between, you know, the, the C-level, the practitioners or the security, you know, enterprise leaders and, and academia definitely is missing. And I wouldn't say it's not working. I would say, It is progressing, but it's a lot slower now than it should be. A lot of awareness needs to be applied into the higher level um, when it comes to making cybersecurity decisions and budgets and allocating priority to cybersecurity.
0: Yeah, okay. And that's quite interesting to hear, I guess, is that there's always going to be a balance between budget and and kind of what the end product is. Uh, And I suppose the awareness is there. It's just applying that uh, across the board with kind of individuals coming through. And and do you think there's a lot of uh, additional on site training? So in the role training itself for for graduates that they're, they're perhaps not getting uh, during their studies. Is that an aspect?
1: The, yes, that, that is an aspect, and it's improving, uh, you know, as we speak, a semester by semester. Because right now, um, we we used to look for, or in general, when I say we, I mean the enterprise in general. Mm. We used to look for computer scientists or computer science students. Now, there are a little bit focused on, no, I would like to have someone who studied, actually, cybersecurity. Because in this case, I don't have to go over the basics with them. And I will just explain to them what we are doing. And they will be able to, you know, apply what they have learned into, mm. you know, the the. So internship right now, there's more opportunities for cybersecurity students in the cybersecurity area, and there's more um, uh, demand and awareness between the cybersecurity practitioners, you know, when it comes to having opportunities for and training, internships and so on, co-ops, and you name it, to cybersecurity students. Definitely increasing in in a positive way.
0: Excellent, okay, and I suppose that kind of moves on quite nicely into kind of what the next lot of hot skills are required for the future, because I'm sure you know everyone within the cyber world knows that the cyber is constantly evolving uh, and kind of the next big thing. We can't sit still. So, so what would you say from your personal experience is the next hot skill that we'll be looking for from both a graduate and and both those people within roles as well?
1: So, so I, you know, unfortunately, there is no hot skill like as, as a single right. There is it's hot skills there are plurality of skills that that are on demand right now. Um, and I, I wanted to say, you know, if we start from like the application level, right, um, have the web developers and application developers with the cybersecurity frame of mind, and, and, and this what we call it is uh, security-driven development. You know, when we start agile development, when we start, you know, m- moving from waterfall into agile, we start looking at what we call it TDD, which is test-driven development. You create your test cases. Then you, you know technically speaking, they all fail at the beginning of your development cycle. And as you progress, you make sure that you know, every one of these test cases succeed, right? And once you check all of the test cases, then that, that is that means my code is fulfilling all the, the test cases. Now we take that and you project it on the security aspect of things. That's where you know we call it security-driven development. Now I need to write all the security test cases up front, just think of just focus on security for, for my code. And in the beginning, my code will fail in every single security test case. And as I progress my code, as, as, as I develop, then I start kind of, uh, you know, testing all of these use cases and make sure that at the end, before I check my code in, my all of the security use cases kind of are So having that security um, um, mindset is one of the hot skills. And what does that mean? It means really understanding uh, the different application vulnerabilities, understanding, you know, server vulnerabilities, network vulnerabilities. So having that basic understanding so that you can uh, start driving you test cases, security test cases. That is, um, is definitely one of one of the keys, one of the hot things. Hmm. And, and speaking of hot skills, right? Uh, so that that's one kind of big giant track. But also uh, having kind of secure DevOps, having someone who's running my DevOps practice in a, in in applying security within the DevOps cycle. So having that also is one of the hot skills. You have a lot of DevOps, DevOps uh, leads uh, in the market, and they're all good but how many of them have that security aspect of things just to make sure that when I when I start this DevOps cycle, security also is intact and also I, I'll be able to call it out. Hmm. So security DevOps is is one of the hot uh, keys in the market right now. Um, security application development is one thing. And the other rising star in that field is identity and access management. So I'm a, I'm a chief architect of identity and access management. So by trade, I would have a soft spot in my heart for IAM identity. <laughs> And one of the challenges now, and actually that will circle back to the previous question you, you mentioned, or the previous topic, which is, what is missing? Mm-hmm. Uh, we I, Unfortunately, Identity Access Management has not made it into the mainstream academia just yet. We will, You might find a course here, a course, a course there, in terms of Identity Access Management, but it didn't catch up into the mainstream the same way Application Development, or OWASP 10 has made it, right? That, but, but you know, to all the professors out there, and to all the students out there, you really need to focus on identity and access management as a skill because it's really, really hot in the market right now Yeah, and it is it is on high demand and I can tell you that, you know, with my eyes closed.
0: Yeah, and, and do you think therefore, you know, and I'm sure professors might be listening to, kind of incorporate that within a kind of a module then, is, is that what's required, do you think?
1: Well, I, 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 I wouldn't, so required in terms of um, having a skill for identity and access management. I think, yeah, from an enterprise level, cool. Absolutely right. Because right now we are moving from a traditional development into a cloud-based development, into um, you know um, an integrated development between containers and and service-to-service communication and so forth. And all of that is built solely on having a very well healthy established identity and access management model. Hmm. Because I'll tell you, what is the first thing or one of the first things a hacker trying to achieve once they break in into you know a network or into a company or into a database? They try to, to elevate the identity. They try to find an elevated ID or identity with privileged access, so that they cause the damage that they wanted to do. So now, understanding what is a privileged identity and how to manage that, and how to manage functional identity and service ID, is, is definitely a key. Now we need to take that and bring it down into the mainstream academia, so that the students become up with the right level of education and awareness, and uh, you know the trades of uh, of the market, so that they are able to um, to apply that.
0: Yeah, and and I suppose that kind of then goes into your kind of role now, isn't it? And as you kind of mentioned, you're you're going from kind of the IM architecture kind of point of perspective uh, at IBM. So, so, do do you see that as a big focus within your current role? Is that is that something that you are upscaling many people on, or or kind of getting awareness within the industry sector?
1: Uh, from, you talk about generally, or talk about from an, from IBM perspective?
0: Uh, from, from an IBM perspective, I guess, yeah.
1: Well, so I so IBM is unique in every single way. First of all, it's a small company of about four hundred thousand users, right? It's like almost like a oh, four hundred thousand employees. So it's like a small country on its own, right? Uh, and, and the other aspect for IBM that make it unique it, it, it is um, you know over hundred years old company. Oh. So we were there, you know, from the beginning, pretty much. You know, we we came, we invented, you know, personal computing and personal computers and so on. So as we progressed, the whole concept of identity access management. Um, concept evolved, right? Initially, it was, you know, in a, in a certain module on modularity, then we start moving this forward and to accommodate it. So um, having that transition from, you know, initially um, mainframes and PCs and, you know, very old systems into modern PC and, you know, then into the cloud, that transition has definitely a uh, teething, mm-hmm. um, right? And as we progress. So our one of our main tasks right now into I, in IBM is, how to bring all of the legacy systems into, you know, the modern identity access management perspective, how to bring everything into a single pane of glass where I'm able to look into that single pane of glass that I'll be able to identify, you know, the risks who got the, um, you know, um, and uh, there is an SOD separation of duty applied, or there is a conflict of interest right there between you have a certain single privilege or single entitlement as a buyer and as a seller at the same time for the same application. That is, one of the you know use cases so the point here is um you know from an ibm perspective it, it, it's a journey right now and we are in the state of where we're trying to modernize the whole concept of identity access management framework within the company yeah. it's a really interesting job
0: yeah, and I guess you know you briefly touched on it there within the cloud. I guess that's had a very large knock-on effect in kind of how I am as working and uh, and kind of the risks that are associated with that. And 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 do you think there's a a bigger risk now with the likes of uh, more home working in the current situation? Does Does that bring another element into it as well?
1: With With moving to the cloud, you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So so the whole concept of, of moving to the cloud um it brings a lot of challenges right Uh, now there are two aspects to it so every company right now is moving to the cloud which is very plausible and uh, it's good but in order for you to make that move secure you really uh, have to kind of understand how the cloud works and you have to have enough kind of technical depth um to be able to set up your your cloud presence in a secure way Hmm. uh when it comes to identity and access management is no no difference than all other aspects of migrating into the cloud if you don't do it properly, you will end up with vulnerability. And the worst thing, really, the worst thing is when when you have your identities are uh, will not go- are not well governed. Mm. Um, and, and, and in this case, you know, you have an employee who left the company; their ID is still dormant. Then somebody else will be able to get access an to this ID and start leveraging. And and over a sudden, you have you have you know you have an attack right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So I mean, th- there is still plenty of risk, isn't there? I mean, there really is to. To, to yeah, and, and, yeah. and you know, we're talking from a technical perspective, but then we've, we've got also put the human element into that as well, haven't we, uh, and kind of take that into consideration, I guess.
1: Oh, oh absolutely. That, yeah. So the human element plays a major role into it because, um, it, you know, with, the weakest element into this chain, cybersecurity chain, is the human, all right? This mm-hmm. is a kind of a known fact So as part of you can apply as much governance as you can but without really training the human or train, training the operators on the cloud or even on you know on your your regular non-technical employees uh then you will end up vulnerable you'll end up with a backdoor or some kind of a you know an exploit that waiting to happen
0: yeah excellent okay and and from a uh a- academia point of view perspective i mean who who are the leaders out there i mean who, who are the professors that are really focusing on this that you might uh, be able to kind of reference
1: so for uh, for academia, I, I so I'm talking about my personal kind of uh, uh, you know, perspective here. Yeah. So there are two, two, two professors I, I'm really big fan of, and I do follow on LinkedIn. Uh, one of them is I, I just want to get the name uh, correct here. Sure, it's Doctor Doctor Mansour Hassi, and uh, you know he called himself you know Mr Cybersecurity or Doctor Cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. and it's very well earned title. I'll tell you that, uh, and he 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 approaches. Um, the cybersecurity from from the leadership perspective, right? It's it's the of course it's from the bottom top approach, but also it is a top bottom approach. And if you, you have to have your leaders aware and understand uh, cybersecurity, and you have to have a well managed cybersecurity practice. So Dr. Mansoor is is one of the um, you know um, figures or one of the LinkedIn figures that I follow. Um, he got he got a recent book actually published, uh, and again it it made a big um, uh, a big wave, and I, I highly recommend it as well. Uh, I just wanted to uh, get you the, the name right there. Sure. Uh, the, the book's name is Cybersecurity Leadership, uh, Powering the Modern Organizations. And and again, a very interesting good read. I think it has an Audible as well, so you can get an Audible copy or you can get a written copy. The other professor I'm, I'm personally a big fan of is is Dr. Darren Hayes. And uh, he's a professor of, at Pace University, uh, which Pace University to me, I, I consider at home. Um, you know, I've been yeah. working with Pace University for quite some time. And actually one of the, uh, teaching staff for the newly accredited cybersecurity master's program at Pace, so which is really, um, and I can actually talk about that in a second. But Dr. Hayes also have is, is looking at it from the forensic type of, uh, from the forensic side of the house, yeah. where he opened a new book called The Principles, uh, the Practical Guide to Computer Forensics and Investigations. Uh, again, uh, he's very interesting, and if you, if you check him out and you know check his profile. Get so many interviews in the area of digital forensics and mobile forensics, uh, and that also is a really interesting topic. Um, you know, especially when it comes to forensics. Dean, um, you know, I always tell my students the worst. What's worse, you know, than being hacked? Hmm. Worse than being hacked is being hacked and you're not knowing about it. Hmm. Oh, right. So over a sudden, someone or an organization got hacked, and not knowing that they got hacked, that that's really bad. Yeah. What's, what's worse than just getting hacked? And you know what? Now I have enough forensics. Now I know that something there's a breach somewhere. Let me let me run my you know incident response. Let me try to contain this. But being hacked without even knowing that that's that's worse. Yeah. And everybody, every organization needs to avoid that.
0: <laughs> no, and that's a really good point, isn't it? Uh, as you said, it's it's at least when when you get hacked, you can learn from it. You can apply other kind of principles as opposed to as you said, if you don't know you've been hacked, then. Um, It's come too late sometimes down the line, isn't it, Um, Bob, by all means. And especially with industries now, you know, we see it in the media on a consistent basis of uh, ransomware attacks, uh, you know, email phishing and uh, and the whole lot, really. uh, It is quite scary that any organization is very much kind of open at this particular point.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah.
0: And, and I suppose then, kind of moving on from where you talked about the forensic side, uh, we, we, we talked about kind of cyber and, and AI, I guess, kind of how they have a crossover. So, what's your viewpoint on kind of how they combine, um, being artificial intelligence, uh, cyber, uh, all the networks within 5G, for example, coming through now as well?
1: yeah so so ai is really interesting on in itself right because if you ask four ai experts about their perspective on, on ai you will get five different answers uh-huh. so everybody uh-huh. have their own perspective of what ai is and what ai should do and what ai is not doing uh-huh. so that the, i would say it's a it's a little bit fluid when it comes to both machine learning and ai right and everybody's using that term very casually unfortunately but but again we are in the i don't want to in my perspective again, it is the early stages of AI. We are, we are not really fully fledged into AI yet, right? Everybody's using bits and pieces of AI and, um, and that's a claim to make, right? I'm using, you know, hey, it's AI powered, um, you know, intelligence or mm-hmm. it's an AI powered, um, you know, recommendation system or e-commerce or whatever the case may be. But when, when you look at AI and cyber, now what, what we are really trying to do here and when it comes to cybersecurity, we are trying to protect. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, you know, investigate. And we're trying to react. So you're protecting, of course, that you you don't want to get hacked, and you're trying to uh, investigate if someone, you know, get hacked or an organization, and you're trying to, you know, manage this. Uh, now, the, the the role of uh, of uh, of uh, artificial intelligence here is really to anticipate all of that. You know, I I wanted to be a, a, at a point where my AI engine, or my cybersecurity, or AI-powered cybersecurity engine, would tell me that there is a vulnerability. It could happen, or that there you are, you know, vulnerable if X, Y, and Z happen to you, or if these data reached out in that level, or that threshold, or that point. So AI would would be, you know, would help cybersecurity when it comes to anticipating. And and I don't think we are there yet. Yeah. But there is. There there is intelligence, yes. There is uh, forensic and, and analytics and dashboarding, tons of it out there. But th- I need to know about this before it happens, mm-hmm. and I want to I count on AI to tell me. Wait a minute, this is this is going to happen. And let me give you an example. And this is really um, kind of outside the realm of cybersecurity. So right now, you know, the, the new kind of uh, cars or car manufacturers, they incorporated this sensing model where if something approaching the car the car will automatically stop right so now this is this is this is good because in this case you sensing it you, you you anticipate it then over a sudden you you take an action for it so it doesn't happen so an accident or an incident doesn't happen we are not there yet when it comes to cybersecurity we are not there where something is happening or about to happen or just about to happen then let me prevent it or let me alert you or let me take certain and measures we are not there yet, and AI. There's a there's a long way to go for AI, yeah. and it's promising, by the way, because there is a lot of research around this area, mm. uh, and I, and I think uh, we will get there one day.
0: Yeah, and I guess would you say that kind of AI is built on the, the premise of the information that we've provided, the systems of what's happened, uh, as opposed to predicting what's going to happen?
1: Is that exactly. what? Yeah. Absolutely. You, mm. you feed it for you know a heuristic information, historical information yeah, this is all what happened. Now I need to reach a point where what's going to happen next? Can you predict it it and act on it in a way that it's not really um, destruct my business? I don't want, you know, because one of the ways you can just bring the server down and you know what? Nobody gets access to the server, but... How good is that if you are interrupting my business? And what uh, would that approach? So.
0: Yeah, and I, and I guess it, it's down to the warrant of why someone is hacking or why someone wants that information, uh, isn't it? Is, is the principle and and what we don't want is an AI system that locks everything down to to a point where it, it's just a, a user issue or something along those lines as a patient action actual attack. Um, exactly, and, and, and that's going to be hard, isn't it? AI is still very much developing in itself uh, within those kind of limits. So yeah.
1: Absolutely. Machine learning and AI, they very much work hand in hand and yeah. there's a, a long way to go. It's exciting and promising, hmm. but I, don't, I, I can't say we are there yet. We definitely, there's more to come.
0: Yeah. And I guess that kind of moves on quite nicely into kind of the, the next question of around about what, what does cyber look like in the next five years? Um, does, does it incorporate AI at that point?
1: Oh, absolutely. And so I think we, we will see more presence of, of artificial intelligence in, in cyber in, within the next five years. The, the the how and the what you know the devil's in the details but there's more uh, funding and research for AI to be incorporated with cybersecurity uh-huh. so we will see that but also you know w- within the next five years and and I see that is happening now but it will be more on a larger scale within the you know within the next five years is um, is the zero trust model uh, in other words the the frictionless authentication so I am a big fan of not having passwords. You know, the, 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 the biggest question is, uh, you know, to password or not to password, right? Um, and I'm the not not to password camp. I'm a big fan and proponent of not using password. Password is, was created in, for, for a different era. Now it's time to get out of that and apply what's called as the zero trust model. Or we call it the frictionless authentication. I really don't have to remember 15 letters or 15 characters password that is different from every website that you have mm. so that you know, you, don't, you, don't start, uh, you, know, you don't repeat the same you know, um, secret or the same password on every application, that, especially when it comes to um, you know, uh, critical applications. So over a sudden, you, know, you have to remember 15 different characters, uh, 15 character password for, for every website. Yes, you can say, I'm gonna use a password manager, you can use, I'm gonna use a password wallet, but again, this is not the answer, this is not the solution right now. We need to move out of that into a zero trust model. You know my behavior, you know my IP address, you might know my MAC address, you might know which network, time of day, uh, website and resources I'm accessing. We, we, we are in the process of building, and I, when I say we, I mean the cybersecurity community hmm. and the different vendors within that is really embracing the zero, the zero trust model. There are yeah. so many companies right now, they are adopting that, they are uh, marketing and they are selling it. And I, I would see within the next five years, that will, will take mainstream uh, in the cybersecurity community and the enterprise as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and that's really interesting because I guess where people have seen the advancement in biometrics or 2 factor authentication and, and things like that at the moment, it's still a process of, there is still data, there is still a password at the end of that, isn't it? So it's, as you said, if we can, we can predict that or, or have a machine to do that for us, making our lives easier, then yeah, surely it's, uh, it's gonna be a lot better.
1: Exactly, and I'll I'll tell you. So you know, a few years back, I was I was in uh, I was in Dublin. Uh, I was in Ireland, actually, in in Limerick, which is a mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful place, by the way. I um, know one of the. So we're talking about the you know this Limerick that has a, a, a large popularity of uh, senior citizens there. We're trying to understand what are the pain points that we have from a technical perspective. And one of the things like I now I have to remember all of these you know passwords. I end up writing it down in in a piece yeah. of paper or on a file, right? So, well, it's not just you know. I mean, this was the the first interaction with reality. But the fact is, you know, what happened in Limerick, well, at least the experience I gained there is, you know, pretty much you can replicate it everywhere. Now, employees writing passwords on on a file or on a sheet or a small sticky you note, know, and and that need to go away. It will go away through you know zero trust and you know frictionless authentication. And I think that's where the industry is going with with the next five years.
0: Yeah, and um, and I suppose that's from 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 that side of the element. I mean, in regards to I am uh, and kind of what you're kind of focused in on at the moment. Do you see that developing in its current format, or or is that moving to the zero trust? Is that the end goal potentially in the next five years? Oh,
1: I, that's that's another good point, and and thank you for bringing that up because um, so I am is 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 authorization, and you know the, the you know the the password and the whole kind of. Uh, a password and authentic- is part of the authentication. Huh. Uh, eventually, once we move into the zero trust, and, and, you know, don't quote me on that or take it with a grain of salt, but those two, the author- authorization and authentication, somehow there will be a little bit of merge in between. Huh. I, will, I need to know who you are uh, in order for me to authenticate, to authorize you for a certain resource, right? In order for me to know who you are, you know, either I will challenge you with a secret or I'll challenge you with a biometrics, but with the zero trust model, now I, I will avoid that and I will build enough trust about the request that you are making that I will dispense or I will authorize you to access that particular request or not. So there will be a little bit of merge in between off in and off Z with the zero trust. Yeah, brilliant.
0: Well, okay, no, de- uh, definitely something to look out for. I think it's uh, it's very feasible in the next five years, even in the next couple of years. That's going to happen, isn't it? So it's uh, yeah definitely one for everyone's going to be aware of.
1: Um, Absolutely they're developing absolutely yeah
0: so so kind of as a bit of a summary then kind of you know as an end point if if you are listening to this and you're uh you know coming through finishing a master's degree looking to get into that career where would you uh, as someone who is both kind of from the academia point of view as well as the enterprise aspect say to focusing on if if, if i'm a, a student and, and i want you know going to that next big cyber where should i look for
1: so okay if if you are from the academia and kind of graduating rising senior or about to graduate and hitting that the job market my advice is it's not about you know how many books you read or how many certifications you have it's about what you have done right and i i do a lot of interviews you know for ibm and for my team and uh, you know sister teams as well and so on i meet a lot of interns um and my advice to everyone is you know, when I look at your resume, I really need to understand what you have done and you should be ready to show me what you have done. So, for example, you know, if you have a Git repository, make sure it's really active. Make sure it has something that reflects your, your knowledge, your expertise. Um, if, you, if you work on a project, for example, with your professors or with the, you know a particular course, make sure that is documented. Not just you submit it, you get a grade for it, and you move on. No, this is actually an opportunity. You, that's an asset that you created in that field to prove that you have the, the credentials and the capabilities to deliver it. So you take that and you put it in your Git or you write an article about it. So building that, you know, that technical eminence, uh, within whether it's your code level, whether it's your project that you created, that will, will put you in a position of, I'm credible. I'm able to take that job and, uh, and apply my knowledge into it. Uh, when it comes to certificate, right, I, I again, I, I realize that a lot of students, they treat certificates the same way they treat their textbooks. Let me just finish this. They so start having a long line of certificate three-letter acronyms. Then when you ask them, you know, when you start deep diving, you realize that they just read the book or get the materials, they get the three-letter acronyms, and they move on. That's, that's not good, right? So the idea is I'd rather if you have a single certificate or a couple of certificates plus your master's and you have enough depth into it rather than having three, four, five, six different certificates all around and you just your knowledge is very very shallow into it so which way you go always build the depth of your knowledge i'd rather have one or two areas that i'm really well versed on and have enough proven knowledge than having a shallow kind of um, knowledge that i can just talk the buzzwords on on every uh, track that would be my yeah it
0: sounds like therefore don't dilute it Almost go into an area specific and say that's what I want to become the expert in, and you know, and apply my kind of background to it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, said.
0: absolutely great advice. I think yeah, so brilliant. Uh, I mean, is there anything that you wanted to kind of add uh, at all to kind of any one of our listeners, or or any kind of final words of advice?
1: Well, I mean, cybersecurity is one of the hardest areas right now, um, and it's it's not going away anytime soon. That's that's a fact. So if you're a computer science major or even not really computer science, if you are interested in cybersecurity, it's the right time to make that career shift or career change. Uh Um, And when you make that career change, don't be overwhelmed. You don't have to learn everything in cybersecurity. Nobody does. Nobody knows. But you start having a wide knowledge about what that track is, what the cybersecurity is all about. Then you start narrowing it down into a single or two areas of interest. Uh, there is no one knows everything in cybersecurity, and if anyone says that, uh, I would I would have to quote <laughs> them. It. <laughs> <No>, it is. <laughs> that's for
0: sure. Excellent okay no, no, and I think you know that's absolutely brilliant and everyone kind of listening and I'm sure it's got one snippet of kind of one key area that I'll probably want to kind of pull from from today's conversation podcast and um, what I'll do is I'll uh, put our kind of contact details uh, within the information so obviously uh, feel free to reach out to Dr. Nada or myself uh, if there's any kind of questions off the back end today but um, I, I really appreciate your time uh, it, it's given us a really good insight uh, and naturally I'm sure there'll be some interesting um, maybe even a part two uh, to kind of get some kind of feedback from, from Looking today. Forward. Yeah,
1: Looking excellent. forward to so much, Dean. Thank excellent. you. Appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care.